0: I have spent a lot of hours, typed a lot of pages, and spoken even more words than anyone could count, let alone remember, pondering the theology of Eucharist. Because my passion these many years has been focused on the liturgy of the Church, it stands to reason that the Eucharist, which is at the very heart of our remarkable liturgical tradition, should be at the center of all of those activities. But if you were to ask me to quote myself from any of those sources, or to quote any other writer, who has given the Church the insights of his or her thinking, I would find it difficult to do so without some effort and without doing a lot of research in those files. But what I can remember are Eucharistic celebrations. I can remember celebrating my first Mass although that was a few years ago. I can remember celebrating some special anniversaries of my parents' wedding. And I can remember celebrating the Eucharist at each of their funerals. And I can remember celebrating the Eucharist in the open air on the Mount of Beatitudes. And I can remember celebrating the Eucharist in the grotto in Bethlehem, which marks the place of Jesus' birth. And I can remember celebrating the Eucharist in the home of friends of mine at a great table, and then shortly afterwards gathering around that table for another meal. And I can remember celebrating the Eucharist just a couple of years ago or so at the tomb of St. Francis of Assisi. And I can remember celebrating Eucharist in the small chapel in front of the tomb of St. Peter's way below the great altar in St. Peter's Basilica. And I can remember many Eucharistic celebrations in this place most especially the ones of Holy Week. My point is not to give you a travel log. My point is to say that Eucharist is not a theology, though it is surrounded by theology. It is not an idea or a theory. It's not a thought process or an academic study. It is an event. It is an event that we enter into so profoundly that we become part of the event ourselves. It simply doesn't happen without us. Eating and drinking are verbs. Verbs that speak of a human encounter with food and drink. Someone consumes what is offered. When Jesus says, take and eat, take and drink, we imagine the Apostles reaching out for the bread and the cup that he offered. And then we hear those same words uttered generations later, and we do what they did. The work of human hands becomes the body and blood of the risen Christ, and they become part of us. He becomes part of us. We consume both the gift and the giver, and we are never the same after that. If we are honest with ourselves, we should approach the Eucharistic table in fear and trembling. But we also should approach Eucharist in hope and with confidence. For however great our sins might be, the mercy of God is greater. That is the fundamental truth in the scripture text for today. The people of Israel, knew who they were and what they had done, but they also knew that they could approach the altar of sacrifice that Moses had built to be cleansed of their infidelities, to be renewed in their covenant, to be embraced each time by the merciful love of their God, a God who had chosen them and would never forget them. The author of the letter to the Hebrews, generations later, speaks of a new covenant and another sacrifice in which the blood of Christ has redeemed them. And it is through the sacrificial blood of Christ that the people of God can present themselves before God with confidence. The actions of Jesus at the Last Supper, as Mark recalls, have always been regarded as the epitome of his earthly ministry, a ministry that revealed the redemptive love of God for us and for all. This astonishing act of Jesus was not a reward for the fidelity of the disciples but it was food for their journey after his death and resurrection, a journey on which they and ourselves would require constant nourishment and renewal. I do not know what goes through the minds of those who stand in line for communion, who come to the table for so great a gift, I do know that we all falter on our journey. We all have hearts that can be sincere and contrite. We all have hunger for the bread of life and the cup of salvation. Whether we are Pope, president, bishop, pastor, parent, male or female, gay or straight, married, separated, or single. We are all children of God. The words of Scripture say, and our hymn texts say, we are one body in the Lord, and we are all invited. And in that invitation, we are all united, united by our hunger and by God's desire to feed us. And in that hunger, we acknowledge that we also need to be forgiven. But Eucharist is not a prize for sainthood. It is what helps us to be ever aware of the call to personal holiness. Each of us knows if we are right in our hearts, but none of us has the right to turn that rightness into self-righteous judgment. The Eucharist is not a weapon to invade or judge the conscience of the person in front of me or behind me. It is a powerful reminder that no one owns the privilege of communion. Rather, all of us are privileged to stretch out our hand to the one who loves more than we can imagine. To assess the state of another's soul requires a knowledge that we cannot possess and should shrink from assuming that we do. On this feast of the body and blood of Christ, we recall his words at the Last Supper. Take and eat, this is my body take and drink, this is my blood of the covenant which will be shed for many. He did not make a list of the many who were included, nor of any who should be excluded. We should not presume to make up our own. Rather, we should rejoice that we are humble enough to accept his invitation. And that should be enough.